electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed... A hundred bottles of freestyle for everyone! No one knows how to party like Jolo. So he was known as a whale of the nightclub scene. The mysterious businessman drops as much as $500,000 a night. Even for bankers that he was going out with, they weren't used to this kind of spending. He buys a quarter-billion-dollar super yacht and dates supermodels. He would buy Bergen bags as, as gifts for the different models. He was spending $10 million or $20 million at Las Vegas casinos. He pals around with celebrities like Leo DiCaprio and even finances their movies. Jolo gave Leonardo DiCaprio an Oscar that Marlon Brando originally won for On the Waterfront. But the feds say no one knows how to steal like Jolo either and steal on a scale the world has never seen. This is one of the largest economic crimes in the history of the world. Tonight, the man behind what may be the biggest theft of all time. Then when I find out it was $4.5 billion, I was shocked. And the New York bankers and other VIPs who benefited from his big bucks. It's so interesting, the friendships that money can bring, right? Too many people are happy to take money without asking any questions. You don't question when somebody's a billionaire where the money's coming from. It's award season in Hollywood. In January 2014, the Hollywood Foreign Press honors the best film and television productions at the 71st Golden Globe Ceremony. Familiar faces grace the red carpet. Martin Scorsese, Tom Hanks, Idris Elba. One of the films nominated this year is Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. Based on the memoirs of disgraced stockbroker and former American Greed subject, Jordan Belfort, a.k.a. the Wolf of Wall Street. Belfort pleaded guilty to stealing more than $100 million from investors. Leonardo DiCaprio plays Belfort in a remarkable performance. I'm talking about this. The film is a box office smash, making nearly $400 million internationally. Scorsese's highest grossing film of his career. I, I know you're not following what I'm saying anyway, right? That's, that's okay. For his efforts, DiCaprio is awarded the Golden Globe for Best Actor, Musical or Comedy. Goes to Leonardo DiCaprio. When he accepts the award, DiCaprio is specific in his thanks. Joey, Riz, Joe, thank Joey, Riz, and Joe, thank you for being uh, not only collaborators, but taking a, a risk on, on this movie, truly. Joey and Riz are Joey McFarland and Riza Aziz, the producers and founders of the production company Red Granite Pictures. 
Joe is 33-year-old Joe Lowe, the principal funder of the movie. The story goes that Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio wanted to make The Wolf of Wall Street and had purchased the rights to the Jordan Belfort story. It was too expensive to make, the studio said. And so um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Joe Lowe decided together that, uh, that Joe Lowe would finance The Wolf of Wall Street. Leonardo DiCaprio became very close to Joe Lowe. You know, in the credits of Wolf of Wall Street, at the very end, there's a note. Special thanks, Joe Lowe. But Joe Lowe is no ordinary financier. Authorities say he's the architect behind a massive world-class theft, stealing $4.5 billion from the country of Malaysia. I think it's just safe to say this is one of the greatest frauds of all time, certainly in, in our time. And, and it's also, it's bigger than things like even the Bernie Madoff scandal. Leonardo DiCaprio's award-winning film is financed with dirty money. They made The Wolf of Wall Street, a movie about criminals spending money in ridiculously lavish ways. Perfectly fitting that that movie was financed by fraudsters about fraudsters. The story of Jolo begins in the tiny Malaysian island of Penang, a former British colony. His family background is steeped in mystery. What is known is that Jolo's family is part of the ethnic Chinese minority, and his father owns a garment factory that provides cheap clothes to the United States. Jolo will later tell people he's the scion of a very rich family. Whether that's true or whether they are merely well off, it's clear there's enough money to get Jolo out of Penang. His dad was successful enough to send Jolo away to um, a fancy British boarding school, Harrow, uh, outside London. Fancy is an understatement. Harrow is ancient. Shakespeare was a young lad when it was founded. Harrow alumni include legendary world leaders, the first prime minister of India, Jawaharlal Nehru, King Hussein of Jordan, and Sir Winston Churchill. Jolo doesn't squander the opportunity to connect with the crazy rich and fabulously well-connected. In fact, one of the friendships he forges at Harrow is with Riza Aziz, a fellow Malaysian who eventually gets a shout-out from Leo at the Golden Globes. He's the stepson of Najib Razak, who at the time, I believe, was the Minister of Defense. After graduating from Harrow, Jolo moves to the United States and the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business. Once again, he makes connections to wealthy and even royal families from Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Abu Dhabi. He was surrounded by people who were much, much richer than him. He even told some people that he was a prince in Malaysia. While still enrolled in college, Lowe makes a name for himself as an alleged financial wizard. He started an investment fund while he was at Wharton. Um, and that was making investments on behalf of some wealthy families he knew in the Middle East and around the world at that time. The company's name is the Winton Group, where investors, and more importantly, Joe Lowe, can win tons of money. He was very interested in using his social cachet and his social connections to get access to a lot of money to make investments. And in a sign of things to come, Lowe is known for throwing ridiculous parties. For his 20th birthday, he rents out a club in Philadelphia, running up a $40,000 tab and becoming known as the Asian Great Gatsby. 
a famous party he threw at the University of Pennsylvania, he actually stiffed the club owners. He convinced them that he had the money and that when it came to pay the bill, he, he said he didn't have it and he ended up paying a lot less. The youthful transgressions are written off, but the connections abide. After graduating from Wharton, he helped the Kuwait Finance House, the world's first Sharia-compliant bank, purchase an $87 million luxury high-rise unit in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia in 2006. He was coming across to them as this sort of investing prodigy just because of the way he was able to talk and, and, and sell himself. While Jolo knows how to talk, money speaks even louder. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. In New York, a mystery man has arrived on the club scene, and the paparazzi have taken note. The New York Post, running a picture of Joe Lowe with Usher, lays on the snark. His chubby, bespectacled appearance hardly meets the image of a wealthy gadabout. Joe Lowe appeared from nowhere. Like, literally, everybody was talking about this guy because he was spending between 300 and 500,000 a night in New York. Selma Fonseca is a photojournalist who covers New York City nightlife. So um, obviously all the promoters and the nightclub owners wanted him to come to their places because, uh, I mean, he was spending a lot of money. So the clubs he liked were Avenue, uh, the Pink Elephant, he would go to Tao, and when he came in, he would take over the whole club. He always had a table right in the middle of everything. He was kind of a shy guy. His thing was to buy Cristal Champagne. He always had tons of bottles. It would start off with like, you know, 10 bottles of Cristal, and by the end of the night, everybody in the entire club was drinking their own bottle of champagne or something or another bought by Joe Lowe. A magnum of Louis Rotorou Cristal retails for $700 per bottle. But at clubs, it can cost $4,000. One night, Jolo runs into Lindsay Lohan and surprises her with a gift. Somebody told him that it was Lindsay Lohan's 23rd birthday, and so he bought 23 bottles of Cristal. But one of Jolo's favorite celebrities to party with is Paris Hilton. Reporter Bradley Hope learns that Jolo is infatuated with the heiress and watches her movie House of Wax obsessively. I think he had a sort of fixation with Paris Hilton. 
My understanding is that he became very interested in Paris Hilton in, in college and had a crush on her. So when he had the means, he then basically bought access to her. He and Paris frolic on his yacht, gamble in Las Vegas, and go clubbing in the world's most exclusive spots. Bradley Hope says it's not uncommon for Hilton to be paid in the six figures for each appearance with Lowe. She would either be getting paid directly in cash or, you know, getting to spend in whatever she wants at the club. Or, you know, when he would go gambling with people like Paris Hilton, he would actually give them chips, like $100,000 of chips, and they could go play and keep the profits. Selma Fonseca shot this film, never before seen on American TV, a Paris and Jolo in action in Saint-Tropez. Paris loves to have fun, so she was dancing and, you know, getting the bottles, spraying champagne. He's in the south of France, surrounded by all of, you know, to be honest, the world's richest people, and he's just showing off. He would go on the microphone. He would say something like, for the waiters to bring a bottle for every person that was inside of the club. So they would bring 100 bottles, you know, and then give it to everybody. What's interesting about Jolo is that he was, a, he was an awkward person. California girls. And I think this was his way to buy in. Using his wealth and status, Jolo is able to buy many things. Over a span of two years, the Fed say Lowe spends $200 million on gifts and jewelry for his friends and fellow partiers. Jolo loved to purchase gifts for women. He would purchase Bergen bags or Cartier or Rolex watches, um, and he would just give them away to, to models and other women he was hanging around with. Joe sometimes just had a box full of Rolexes. He would gift people. So he'd have things, you know, thanks for coming, you know, here, here's your Rolex. He even dates Victoria's Secret model Miranda Kerr and lavishes her with $8 million in diamonds. They started this kind of slightly odd romance, but it mostly involved um, extremely lavish gifts. He bought her um, diamonds, heart-shaped diamonds. They also traveled around the world together on his private jet, and famously, he gave her a translucent piano in her house in, in California. But the relationship doesn't even last a year. C'est la vie. While at Wharton, Jolo was called the Asian Great Gatsby. And just like in the novel, most of the revelers at his bashes have no idea about the source of their host's wealth. He would always purposefully kind of seed misinformation that made him sound more attractive. He had told uh, my friends that his parents own the Petronas uh, building, which at the time was the tallest building in the world. He had told people he was, uh, was royalty. There, there were even rumors he was an arms dealer. The New York Post notes, speculation is brewing over where Lowe is getting his money from. One inside observer said, Nobody spends their own money like that. It's just weird. It gets even weirder. For most people, a 31st birthday isn't anything special. 
But most people aren't Joe Low. For me, this party is really the biggest, most grandest party of all. Essentially, they took over this piece of land on the Las Vegas Strip, and in the center of it was this party that had the biggest concentration of celebrities and music performers, aside from the Oscars. They created a kind of hangar, and they filled it with um, it was circus acts with, uh, I heard there were caged tigers. There was people on stilts going around. There was, you know, an ice bar. There was uh, performances on stage, fireworks. There was um, Psy with the rendition of Gangnam Style. There was um, people like Kanye West. At one point, the rapper Q-Tip was on stage and Leonardo DiCaprio, who was a bit inebriated, jumped on stage and joined him in, in, in the rap. From brilliant actors, to Kim Kardashian. Jolo's 31st is packed with A-listers. But the real highlight of the night is when it's time to sing to the birthday boy. It's another adolescent fantasy come true. Uh, a giant birthday cake was wheeled out to the middle of the stage and out popped Britney Spears, who, who, who did a rendition of Happy Birthday to Jolo. But one man at the party is nearly invisible amid all the glitter and glam. He's a relative unknown Goldman Sachs executive named Tim Leisner, who runs the Asia Desk. Could this Goldman connection be a clue about the source of Jolo's outrageous fortune? People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Seemingly overnight, Jolo graduates from Wharton to being a financial power player and international man of mystery. Does he owe it all to business acumen and hard work? Not quite. In fact, it's possible to pinpoint the exact moment his lucky number comes up. In April 2009, Najib Razak wins a national election and becomes Malaysia's sixth prime minister. Razak is the stepfather of Jolo's old London school pal, Riza Aziz. Jolo immediately makes his move. He was sort of entranced by people who had things he didn't have. So in this case, it was political power. Jolo understood right, the extreme importance of maintaining a strong relationship with Prime Minister Najib uh, and his family. During his time studying international finance, Federal authorities say Jolo becomes fascinated with sovereign wealth funds. One of the best known is Saudi Arabia's, which controls a mind-bending $500 billion worth of assets, with the goal of investing for the good of the country. 
Jolo now has an audience with Malaysia's prime minister, and he pitches him on the idea that Malaysia should jump in the sovereign wealth pool. Jolo came up with this idea at some point um, that developing a sovereign wealth fund is, is, is the way to tap into extreme amounts of money and power. Um, but he learned that through people that he was introduced to in places like the UAE and Saudi Arabia. It was supposed to be like the benevolent fund for the country of Malaysia, where money would get pulled in and generate funds that would help the people of Malaysia. The new sovereign wealth fund is named One Malaysia Development Berhad, or 1MDB. But unlike Jolo's Middle Eastern model, Malaysia is at a disadvantage in starting its new funds. In places like Saudi Arabia, those sovereign wealth funds are funded mostly through uh, profits from, from the oil industry. Uh, but in Malaysia, they didn't have the billions of dollars needed for a sovereign wealth fund. They were going to go borrow it. They were going to acquire debt, essentially, to try to then uh, make those investments. Borrowing money means Malaysia's taxpayers are on the hook for the fund. Prime Minister Najib Razak is the fund chairman. Jolo never holds an official title, but is instead considered a consultant. Jolo purposely did not have an official role uh, in 1MDB. He stayed behind the scenes as sort of a, an advisor. In reality, he was running the entire fund in every which way. It was all his people he put into every position, but they treated him as if he was the absolute you know, CEO of the fund. One of the first projects they invest in is a joint venture with the Saudi oil extraction company. One MDB chips in $1 billion in Malaysian state funds for the project. But according to bank records, much of the cash is rerouted to a shell company secretly held by Jolo. Authorities say insiders are paid off to help Lowe pull off the transaction. So the first major theft from 1MDB is, is really just a kind of crazy brazen fraud. When, when it came to 1MDB was about to send the money, there were some changes done on the paperwork because obviously Jolo was controlling 1MDB. He could make these changes. And so, so with, with a simple signature from 1MDB, he suddenly had $700 million in his own account. In the following years, Jolo and 1MDB hook up with the American financial giant Goldman Sachs, whose market capitalization is $134 billion. Remember, the context is these sovereign wealth deals were happening not that long after the financial crisis in the U.S. And a lot of banks, including Goldman, were really looking internationally as a new source of big profits. Tim Leisner is Goldman's point man with 1MDB. Remember, he's a guest at Jolo's 31st birthday bash in Las Vegas. Leisner is a rising star at the firm, known for working hard and partying even harder. He dates and eventually marries reality TV star and former model Kimora Lee Simmons. Access to the power structure of a place like Malaysia, knowing that they're in the process of building a sovereign wealth fund out, became a, an extremely uh, enticing business opportunity for Tim Leisner and the Asia desk uh, of Goldman Sachs. But according to investigators, Leisner has been warned about not doing business with Joe Lowe. Anti-money laundering officers at Goldman Sachs have questions about 
how Lowe makes his money. Timothy Leisner tried on multiple occasions to help Joe Lowe get a private banking account in Goldman Sachs. And the bank's own compliance department in private banking said, we don't feel comfortable with his source of funds. Within Goldman Sachs, the word, the name Joe Lowe was considered a problem. But the Fed say Leisner wants to do a deal with his friend. So he simply lies to his bosses at Goldman Sachs and the internal investigation is dropped. You know, they were given assurances that Joe Lowe wasn't involved in the 1MDV deal. Beginning in 2012, Goldman Sachs helps the fund organize three separate bond offerings. They ultimately raise $6.5 billion for 1MDB. For their efforts, Goldman Sachs collects $600 million in fees. And Tim Leisner is put on a pedestal. Timothy Leisner, his career really took off because of this work that he did in Malaysia. One senior official said, you know, everyone should do more like Tim Leisner's doing. You know, this is this is the kind of work we want to be pursuing around the world. $6.5 billion would go a long way in Malaysia. The country is newly industrialized, but still developing. The per capita income in Malaysia is $10,000 a year. When you go to Malaysia, you, you clearly see signs of poverty, but you also see signs of real economic development. But once again, the bulk of the money never makes it to Malaysia's coffers. Within days of getting the proceeds of these bond offerings, the bank accounts showed that hundreds of millions of dollars were being sent to uh, shell company accounts held by, in Swiss banks. Um, and then from there, if you follow the financial tracing further, um, the funds would then flow to other shell companies controlled by Joe Lowe. Despite his world-class skills at partying, Joe Lowe has more important endeavors when he arrives in the United States. In 2010, he hangs out a shingle called Ginwell Capital. According to its website, the firm cultivates lifelong partnerships with significant investors, such as leading sovereign wealth funds. So in places like New York, uh, there, there's an entire industry devoted to um, uh, catering to high net worth people, and Jolo plugged himself into that industry. But the feds say Jolo's real business is laundering all the money he looted from Malaysia. Lowe uses shell companies to purchase a $24 million unit in Manhattan's Park Laurel Building, a loft in Soho for nearly $14 million, a $140 million stake in the Park Lane Hotel, and a $30 million penthouse in the exclusive Time Warner Center. Before Joe Lowe, Jay-Z and Beyonce lived there. So, you know, this place had a lot of cachet. It was flashy, it was luxurious. In 2012, he partners with Sony Music and others to purchase EMI Music Publishing for $2.2 billion. The business contains the song catalog of Michael Jackson, Lady Gaga, Bob Dylan, and countless others. Ginwell Capital and Joe Lowe's contribution is $106 million. These are major financial transactions. As Joe Lowe's reputation grows, so does his celebrity circle. He gets friendly with musical artists like Busta Rhymes, Ludacris, Swiss Beats, and Alicia Keys. Keys even features in a promotional video for Genwell Capital. If we're not supporting that artistic community, you know, I don't think we'll be able to encourage that type of bravery and boldness that really creates the 
timeless classics. Jolo becomes a major player in the New York art world. He buys works by Warhol, Basquiat, Van Gogh, and Picasso. So he's not the, he's not the most um, sophisticated art buyer. He, he was in a gallery and they said, this is a Monet. And he said, oh, is that guy still alive? But Jolo isn't just in an empire state of mind. In Beverly Hills, he buys the Viceroy Hotel for $40 million and a $39 million house in the hills that doubles as his own personal fantasy island. But he also bought a, a home that was originally uh, belonged to Ricardo Montalban in Hollywood. But to really make it in L.A., you ought to be in pictures. In 2011, Joe Lowe invests in the upstart film studio Red Granite. The production company is co-founded by his old school buddy, Riza Aziz. It kind of ticked multiple boxes for Jolo to invest in Red Granite. It, it curried favor with, with Prime Minister Najib and the family by uh, providing uh, an opportunity for Riza Aziz to, to entrench himself into uh, the Hollywood scene. Red Granite produces a handful of films, including the sequel to the Jim Carrey smash Dumb and Dumber. But their crowning achievement is the adaptation of the raunchy memoir of Jordan Belfort. Leonardo DiCaprio has been trying to make the film for years. The studios were passing on The Wolf of Wall Street because they thought it was just too excessive. The project wasn't moving forward. They couldn't find the money to make it. DiCaprio finally sees his dreams realized when he meets the Red Granite team and their mysterious benefactor. When Jolo heard the pitch with Riza, they said, look, we'll, we'll finance this. It's a story as old as Hollywood. Filmmakers happy to partner with dumb money. Outsiders with deep pockets and dreams of seeing their name in the credits. When people show up on the scene and start throwing tens of millions of dollars around, you know, it certainly didn't take a uh, seasoned investigator to understand that there was something wrong. To celebrate the founding of Red Granite and to announce their intention to make the Wolf of Wall Street, Jolo and his buddies throw a bash at the Cannes Film Festival in 2011. The Cannes party is when Hollywood met Red Granite. They weren't really meeting Joe Lowe, though. He wasn't such a big presence at that party. It was those celebrities. Kanye West and Jamie Foxx perform on stage. Of course, the film star, Leonardo DiCaprio, is there. The real-life wolf, Jordan Belfort, is also in attendance and has an interesting take. Remember the anonymous clubgoer who told the New York Post, nobody spends their own money like that, it's just weird. Turns out, the convicted felon, Belfort, has the exact same thought. Jordan Belfort was watching this party and thinking it was a red flag for him. You know, nobody spends their own money like this. It had that feeling of stolen money. It takes a thief. When it comes time to make the film, Red Granite spares no expense for Leonardo DiCaprio and director Martin Scorsese. They put up the entirety of the film's $100 million budget, and Jolo becomes a hero. And that was extremely attractive because obviously the studio system asks a lot of hard questions, they, they say no to things, and, and they, they kind of curtail the creativity of some of these filmmakers. And here was Red Granite telling them, look, 
We'll just write a check. One story is that the director of Wolf of Wall Street um, wanted to crash a real Lamborghini as opposed to a, a replica. But they were able to convince uh, Jolo and Riza Aziz to allow them to crash a real vintage Lamborghini. The film debuts in December 2013 and is ultimately a success, making $392 million worldwide. Scorsese has directed films considered among the greatest of all time, such as Taxi Driver, Mean Streets, and Goodfellas. But it's this over-the-top saga of depraved greed that earns more money than any of his other films. During production, Jolo allegedly becomes close with DiCaprio, both personally and professionally. Jolo was going to fund their entire slate. So every project they wanted to do, if they wanted to do it their own way, he would be the guy that would fund it. Leonardo DiCaprio's film company, Appian Way, is based in a building on the Sunset Strip. Red Granite's office is in the same building, just one floor away. They were working together a lot on projects, you know, thinking about ideas. Jolo buys a mansion in Beverly Hills around the corner from DiCaprio's home. He flatters his new friend by giving him $13 million worth of art, including works by Picasso, Basquiat, and photographer Diane Arbus. But Jolo's biggest and best gift to Leo is something more personal. The story goes that when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio didn't win the Oscar for The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Riza Aziz and Jolo were able to, or purchased um, an Oscar that Marlon Brando originally won for On the Waterfront and gave it to Leonardo DiCaprio as a kind of consolation prize. In 2014, Jolo attains membership in one of the most exclusive clubs yet when he purchases a 300-foot-long super yacht for the reasonable price of $250 million. It was uh, uh, just about the size of a football field. The super yacht features a sauna, a helicopter landing pad, and a jacuzzi for entertaining celebrity friends. It was massive. It was decadent. It was gaudy. It had everything. This is why people steal money. But while Jolo lives it up on the high seas, a storm is brewing. He's currently being investigated by multiple parties. In February 2015, Louise Story of the New York Times has one of the first big exposés on Jolo. For more than a year, she's been investigating the use of LLCs and shell companies to launder money through luxury condos in the Time Warner Center. The mysterious Jolo is one of the first people featured in her series. As I talked to bankers in Malaysia, I found out that Jolo had been an investor to 1MDB. So that right there opened a big can of worms. Over at the Wall Street Journal, Bradley Hope and his colleague Tom Wright have their own series investigating Jolo and 1MDB. So we wrote the first story saying the FBI was investigating Goldman Sachs. And, um, and then we continued to write about things that U.S. investigators were doing. The Fed's investigation is part of their new initiative to crack down on international corruption cases. Jolo's behavior made it 
crystal clear that the connections to the United States were extremely strong. From 2009 to 2015, U.S. authorities say $4.5 billion of 1MDB funds were misappropriated in a vast international conspiracy. In 2016, the U.S. government files a civil forfeiture complaint seeking the recovery of more than $1 billion in assets bought with stolen money. Jolo initially resists the government's actions, but eventually gives up. He didn't necessarily cooperate. He just sort of gave up the fight. Jolo never made an admission of guilt, but he relinquished about $700 million of assets. The seizures include his real estate holdings in New York and L.A., the jewelry gifted to Miranda Kerr, and the artworks and Brando Oscar given to Leonardo DiCaprio. I will say that um, the FBI did not necessarily have to hit down any doors, but Leonardo DiCaprio only turned the, his assets over to the FBI after they were named in a complaint. At the time, a spokesperson says DiCaprio accepted the art with the intention of auctioning it off to raise money for his charity. And in a first, the U.S. government seizes several films when they crack down on red granite pictures. The United States seized the rights to several movies, um, including The Wolf of Wall Street, um, because they were made directly with money stolen from one MDB. Red Granite settles and pays the U.S. government $60 million. The company's executives never face any criminal charges. However, Red Granite co-founder Riza Aziz surrenders $60 million in assets to the U.S. government. His partner, Joey McFarlane, surrenders $14 million in cash and assets. Joe Lowe's celebrity friends also are never charged with any crimes. American Greed reaches out to Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Scorsese, Miranda Kerr, Paris Hilton, and others, but receives no response. There isn't culpability for celebrities if they just want to hang out with bad guys. Uh, it becomes criminal if they, if they know where the money is coming from. In 2018, U.S. prosecutors filed criminal charges against Goldman Sachs executive Tim Leisner, alleging that he helped launder 1MDB funds through the U.S. financial system. The Fed say he also helped bribe government officials with $1.6 billion in stolen money. You know, bribes were paid to government officials in Malaysia. Goldman Sachs has admitted that their uh, Malaysian subsidiary uh, has paid those bribes um, in order to ensure that uh, Goldman Sachs received that business. Leisner pleads guilty to conspiracy to launder money and violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. He also agrees to forfeit $43.7 million. He awaits sentencing. Goldman Sachs also agrees to pay a $2.9 billion penalty for its role in the scheme. And they paid the largest uh, criminal penalty for an international corruption case in DOJ history. In 2018, Jolo is also indicted for conspiring to launder money and conspiring to violate the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. But he flees the U.S. and avoids arrest. However, authorities do find his super yacht. It's anchored off the coast of Bali. FBI agents and Indonesian authorities seize the vessel, but Jolo is not on board. The super yacht becomes a focal point in the upcoming elections in Malaysia, where the 1MDB scandal rages. 
It was like this ultimate example of the level of corruption here that this mega yacht was purchased at a price that could have done so much good for the people of Malaysia. In 2018, the scandal tanks Najib Razak's re-election efforts as he suffers a resounding defeat. In 2020, the former prime minister is tried and found guilty in Malaysia for abuse of power, money laundering, and criminal breach of trust. Razak is sentenced to 12 years, but has yet to set foot behind bars. I think one of the things sometimes we hear is that money laundering or um, foreign corruption, these are financial crimes with no real victims. Well, there were victims because all of this money that was raised and spent, now who's holding the bag for it? It's the Malaysian people. As for Joe Lo, he flees Malaysia and is reportedly living in China, living in the home of a high-ranking member of the Chinese Communist Party. I think it's safe to say he he's he's in possession of a, a, a massive fortune. You know, a lot of money from 1MDB was never recovered. Regardless, Joe Lo's jet-setting days are over. Aspiring Hollywood filmmakers and crooked international bankers now have to find a new sugar daddy. Now he will never be able to travel freely around the world. His days of partying with Leonardo DiCaprio are, are over. Essentially, he's in a kind of no man's land where he has a lot of money and, and he's, he's able to move around freely within China, but that's about it. He will be a fugitive from the United States for the rest of his life. Um, and the United States will never stop looking for him. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.